It's time for episode 454 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Friday, June 10th, 2022. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that just announced the next features of Clockwise OS, including one co-host who is Dan Morin, my good pal, my good buddy, dungeon buddy, actually. How you doing, Dan? Hi, Micah Sargent. I'm doing great. It is a pleasure to be here with you on a Friday, which is not our normal day for recording this podcast, Um, but I have been assured that everything will go off without a hitch. Yeah, well, something like that. It's very loopy for sure. As uh, you know, it's it's like that that scene in A Bug's Life where they can't get past that leaf that falls in their path because we're so used to recording on Wednesdays and now everything's all messed up. But Wednesday, Wednesday is the leaf. Wednesday is the <laughs> Wednesday is the leaf. Uh, but there is one thing that remains true, and that is that we have two awesome guests joining me to my left. Is shortcuts expert, uh, my former co-host of Smart Tech Today on Twit, and just an all-around jovial guy. It's Matthew Casanelli. Hello, Matthew. Uh, 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 I was trying to be jovial. I didn't know what to do. Hello. Thank (laughs) you for having me. (laughs) Actually, kind of creepy laugh, so... (laughs) Nailed it. Uh, to, my, to my left this week is the co-host of Automators right here on Relay FM, as well as of iOS Today over on Twit, which means that, yes, it's a show entirely full of people who show who have co-hosted shows with Micah this week. It's Rosemary Orchard. Welcome back, Rosemary. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm glad that despite, you know, the fact that we used soap on the clock last time, I'm, I'm still allowed uh, back. I guess it wasn't that slippery. Yeah, no, all good. All good. Uh, Let us get into the show with my topic. Uh, I am curious your thoughts on passkeys. Tell me about your excitement and your concerns about or your concerns for a passwordless future. Matthew, we'll start with you. I am pretty excited about this, but I still don't generally understand what happens if you don't have a device that is like powered on, like if you run out of battery or something like that on a separate device and how this will all work if you're signing in somewhere else. So I'm a little confused about that, but I think the overall idea is great. I've been using something like one password for a long time, and that's basically the one password for everything else that's just kind of handled in the background. So in a similar way, this sounds like it'll handle most of it for me. So I'm, I'm, honestly new to it entirely it seems so new and cool that i just want to learn more yeah i'm a big fan of this feature it was teased last year as something they were working on i thought it was going to take a lot longer for it to sort of come to fruition delighted to find that it's part of all the upcoming releases and so now we're just sort of waiting for sites to adopt this i i think uh matthew's right that there's some questions about Edge cases are certain yeah, certain situations where you might need to recover passkeys. I saw an interesting post recently forwarded to me by a Six Colors reader that was discussing, like, say you were in a situation where, like, your house burned down and, like, your phone is in there and your devices are in there and you don't have any devices off-site. Like, how do you recover your passkeys? Like, how do you get, you know, if you've secured this stuff so well, 
how do you make sure that you have access to them if you the worst happens or you're in an emergency situation? And I think that's a question that Apple has not explicitly answered or the FIDO Alliance for that matter. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see if somebody uh, has a good answer for that. I'd love to talk to some of the people behind the Passkey implementation and sort of get some more details. Um, and I think there's also a fair point to say if you don't have a smartphone, which some people don't, or don't have a smart device at home, and you are required to log in someplace. This is just a matter still of falling back to passwords right now. Uh, or are there alternatives? You know, Do we have to distribute security keys to people with biometric authentication in order for them to log in if they don't have their own device? What about using personal devices to log into work accounts? Like, Is that a good idea? So I think there's still a lot of questions and fine details to get worked out here, but the basic premise of this is extremely good because of all the security precautions it adds, because of the ways that it makes phishing a lot harder, because of the ways it prevents security leaks from servers. Uh, all of that is extremely promising. And frankly, I, I can't wait to start, start forgetting all of my passwords. <laughs> Rosemary? Well, a lot of people forget passwords and a lot of people are just terrible about reusing passwords and so on. So I think for the vast majority of people, this is going to be incredibly good. Um, I was also pleased to see in Apple's documentation on this in the recovery section at the bottom, the way that you recover your account is um, you need your iCloud um, e- email address uh, and password, um, and then you will get a, a code texted to you. Um, and I personally don't like SMS as a 2FA, but phone numbers are relatively easy to recover in the scenario outlined of, you know, your house is burned down with all of your devices in it, or just, I don't know, you, your phone's out of battery and everything else was in your suitcase on the plane. Um, and you had to get off the plane and, and stand around waiting for ages for some reason. Um, so you, you will be able to get back into it with relative ease. And for most people, this is going to be much more user-friendly and easier to access than something like YubiKey or similar, which works. Um, so I'm interested and excited, and I, I think it's it's going to be incredibly good for a lot of people. But I don't think passwords or 2FA codes are going anywhere anytime soon. I did some digging into uh, as much as I could. Um, one of the things that I tried with passkeys is what if somebody were to switch away from iPhone entirely? And up to that point, that device had been the one that they used to generate their passkeys, et cetera, et cetera. And they didn't remember that they needed to keep that device until they logged in uh, with an Android device and, you know, set up their passkey that way. And so suddenly they don't have access to their old device and they're on Android. And now what do they do? And so I was curious about portability. So I uh, generated some passkeys for uh sites or services that offered it and went into keychain access on uh, macOS Ventura. And there was not the ability to export the passkey. And the only thing that I could do was tap to share. But of course, that only works with AirDrop devices. So it would only go to my other iOS devices. So yes, I am um, a little my concerns surround uh, portability for folks who want to switch devices. However, my excitement is that I just generally like the idea of being passwordless. I feel passwordless anyway. Uh, one, because there's no <laughs> password to unlock me, uh, but also because <laughs> I use one password for everything. And so it kind of all automatically happens. And if you asked me, what is the password to your uh, ch- chihuahualove.com site? Don't go there. I don't know what's there. Um, then... I wouldn't be able to tell you because 
one password generated the password for me. In any case, thank you all for your answers on the pass key questions. Uh, let us move on to our next topic, which comes from Matthew Shortcuts Casanelli. All right. So, of course, it's going to be about shortcuts. Um, so, Apple announced a new app shortcuts feature that will essentially automatically generate whole folders of shortcut commands that you can use with Siri to activate all the features of your apps without any setup. This seems to be what they're doing for Siri. Like instead of apps plugging into Siri directly, they're instead providing shortcuts to Siri in the background. And they do explicitly state in the session, in the developer sessions, these can't accept arbitrary strings where you might want to say like, Hey, look for this in an app it just kind of won't be able to do that. And so I'm curious, what do you think about app shortcuts as kind of the default Siri experience? And do they need to allow that kind of deeper arbitrary request thing to be a true digital assistant? Because I think that's what a lot of people do expect. I think this is a good addition in the sense that it potentially exposes more people to shortcuts and it eliminates the overhead of having to create these things from scratch, especially when there's very common things, for example, that people might want to do with a certain app. So being able to sort of have something right out of the box that you can use is a big advantage for having people like sort of understand what the potential benefits of shortcuts are and how they can then extend that to stuff they might want to specifically do that isn't covered by those sort of built-in shortcuts. And for a lot of people, those built-in ones might cover a lot of the you know, 90% of what they want to do with an app. But for those who are like, oh, wait, but if I tweak this, I could do this, right? Like, I mean, that's that's the way a lot of us probably got into things like automation and programming in the first place was realizing, oh, we can take this and edit it and make it work better for what we want to do. So I think down the road, there does need to be an ability for sort of ad hoc requests to apps uh, if we're getting into this real, like truly digital assistant way to live. But for the moment, um, I think this is a good way to bridge uh, the technology before we're actually there. I think this is pretty exciting. Um, and I think what is very interesting to me in particular is the fact that they really are, you know, attempting to give everybody shortcuts without making them set stuff up inside of the shortcuts app. And I'm pleased that it can't just be um, an entirely arbitrary string that the developers decided I am good with this string. Therefore, um, the the magical phrase, hey, Apple lady, um, what's the time is now going to respond with, well, would you like to know some more about Carrot Weather, the maker of Carrot, blah, 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 or something. Um, I'm joking, Brian's a great developer. He wouldn't do that, but I can imagine some developers would. Um, and this may hopefully resolve the, I'm sorry, would you like me to search for the web uh, on the web for that? Um, some of the, those responses, because those are incredibly frustrating. Um, I think that this is going to be a big improvement for most people, um, the way things go. And I'm pleased to see that there were also shortcuts actions where you can do things like create folders and create shortcuts even so that you can, you know, give somebody a helper that will then help them dive more deeply into this sort of thing, you know, when you have given them some guidance. And it's exciting to see what we will end up with. But at the moment, it's, you know, it's very much open to what do those developers bring us? So we're going to have to wait and see. So I'm going to break form a little bit here by asking Matthew, is this the thing where 
up to this point, you had to tap like a button that said, hey, I want to set up a shortcut here. And then the button would let you uh, type in the phrase that you wanted to use. Now, this what they're saying is you don't need to type in a phrase that you can just sort of say, use this app. I'm so confused about what this feature is. Yeah, I think that's just a legal disclaimer saying like you'll have to download the Siri language so that she can process your request. What this actually does is developers provide the phrases for their actions in the background and then they are included in the shortcuts app and available to siri just by default so you don't even you don't even need to have ever even heard of the shortcuts app to be able to run shortcuts from Uh, your apps now i think that this would be good for a lot of people because that discoverability can be kind of difficult in the way that it works now so if there is a way to be able to just talk to siri and have different things happen without having to go okay is this something i can do is this something i can't why isn't it working but i've seen matthew say this to siri and siri does what uh he asks her or asks it to do um that is a good thing so yeah matthew wrap us up tell us about uh what's going on here yeah i mean i think a lot of it will be It'll be a blend of the Shortcuts app plus the Siri experience. Like they have a new Siri tips thing. So in an app where previously there would have been an add to Siri button, it'll just say, use this phrase to trigger this action with Siri. Obviously not that exactly, but you know what I mean? Um, And then also just the benefit of having all of those shortcuts already in their app. Like uh, Dan was just kind of saying the overhead of creating all those is you can, it'll just be in there automatically. Um, So I think it is going to be an interesting experience to see how people react because hopefully people can just use Siri and get that out of it. And then they can also get into the deeper shortcuts experience. So people are very critical of Siri. So (laughs) if they're like, oh, they just made a bunch of shortcuts and you still can't really use Siri, I feel like there's going to be some sort of backlash at some point. So I'm very fascinated to see. Let's go ahead and take a quick break so I can tell you about this week's sponsor. It's Text Expander, who I love and who are bringing you this episode of Clockwise. When you work at a small team, you know that every moment counts. You don't want to be wasting your time finding video conferencing details to send to a new client. You don't want to track down the same FAQs from the company website. These are the kinds of things you want at your fingertips so you can get your work done faster. And that is why you need Text Expander. With Text Expander, you can access what you type the most with just a few keystrokes. It allows you to work faster and eliminate repetition. It lets you focus on what matters most to you. Text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations streamline your team's work. So all you have to do is type a short abbreviation and Text Expander does the rest for you. You just build and collect your most commonly used phrases, messages, URLs, and more right within Text Expander. And by the way, Text Expander can help you with that. It'll, if you give it permission to, it'll look at how you're typing, what you type a lot, and say, hey, you know, you do type, I love my chihuahuas quite a bit. Do you want to make a snippet for that? Then create your chosen abbreviation and they'll be there for you whenever you type. You can even customize the snippets by having them automatically add in dates, fill in the blank fields, timestamps, and more. So that way you will keep the personality in the communication you send. And Text Expander is available on any device you use across any app you use. It's on Mac, it's on Windows, it's on Chrome, it's on iOS. I use it all the time. I like to do date slugs for almost every file I create. So on my Mac, it almost always has a date slug right at the top and then the name of the file, whatever it happens to be. But I use it for uh, addresses. Instead of having to type in my address every time, I can just hit semicolon AD 
ADD and it'll automatically populate my address, all sorts of things, emails, everything. It just makes stuff so much quicker. It's so nice. Uh, if repetitive typing is getting you down, well, you need Text Expander. Check out Text Expander today at textexpander.com slash clockwise, and that'll get you 20% off your first year. That's textexpander.com slash clockwise to say goodbye to repetitive typing. Thanks, of course, to Text Expander for their support of this show. All right, we are back from break, which means it's time for Dan's topic. Well, for my topic, I want to know which feature announced at WWDC are you most excited about? And because I know we're all very excited about shortcuts, I'm just giving everybody that one for free. So, you know, you can come up with your second most excited feature. How about that? Rosemary? Well, I get to go first, which is amazing. So I'm going to go with everything. But specifically, I'm really excited about the new lock screen widgets. Um, I've seen multiple developers out there already doing great things with this. Um, you know, uh, Joe Hribar, who is the creator of Timery, was tweeting about some of the stuff that he's been making. And I've seen just so many other things as well. And I'm excited to see what things people come up with and the fact that the lock screens tie into our focus modes so that when you're in this focus mode or that focus mode, you can automatically have that lock screen available. I'm just excited. This the the lock screen widgets in particular, the fact that I can have the weather combined with the date at the top. And so I've still got all of it. Everything else is just great. So I'm going to have lots of fun with that. I'm already having fun with that. And my phone is crashing less than expected so far. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of my colleagues rented out a movie theater a couple of weeks ago for us to watch uh, Doctor Strange. And so we all went there. And since it was just us, you know, you felt like you could breathe and be okay. And um, I, we we're watching the movie and I thought, why can't I understand what anybody is saying? And then I realized it's because there were no captions on the screen in the movie theater. I live and love and everything by captions like I, I have them on on the tv at all times and it is difficult for me to understand what people are saying without them at this point so i am very excited about an accessibility feature that's coming in ios ipad os which is live captions and i have actually already made use of it uh because of course i'm running beta stuff and as i said i was troubleshooting uh the other day so we had facetime open and the live captions were popping up on the screen uh transcribing the text and it was very i was very impressed with what it was able to do. So that feature I'm most excited about. Can't wait to always have that text on screen so that I can uh, make sure that what my ears are hearing and what my brain is processing are at least similar. <laughs> uh, Matthew, what about you? I am very fascinated with the continuity camera and the desk mode shot that they had. I was like blown away when I saw that because especially because that's specifically what I've been trying to do for like three years is film myself while I'm filming my desk of using my iPad and things like that. And so just to be able to stick a phone on there and then use the wide angle to also show what's on your desk is just wild. I I really hope the next iPhone has a better wide angle camera so that that quality is high. But otherwise, I think it's going to be very cool. So I am just every person who has a Mac could live stream now pretty easily. And that is understated about how like people can share information so much easier and things like that. There are real benefits to these things, not just like, oh, that's cool. So I'm I'm thrilled. 
Uh, Rosemary picked my top feature, but I'm going to go with one that I'm most interested in trying and then one that will actually make a huge difference in my everyday life. The first one is Stage Manager, especially on the iPad, because I'm really curious to see how this changes my workflow in terms of using an iPad. And now that I have the ability to have like overlapping windows, um, I'm excited for that. I'm very excited for that. Uh, the iPad, I've gone back and forth in terms of how major a device it is in terms of my everyday usage. And I think one of the reasons it's currently ebbed is because the, the M1 MacBook Air is such a great machine that even though I've got an, M, an M1 iPad Pro, I feel like, well, but the, you know, the Air, let me do all this other stuff. So I'm kind of curious to see how that all plays out and whether it really opens the doors to, uh, to some new stuff. But the one that's going to make the biggest improvement in my life, I think, and the one that was like the the one I cheered aloud when they said it was improved search in mail <laughs> because <laughs> I have a gigantic mailbox. I don't file things. I don't really archive things. Uh, my inbox on my mail has 116,000 messages in it. <laughs> because i'm a strange person but i just search for stuff that's how i find everything and search in mail has been really not great for a lot of mail's existence so if this actually delivers on making that an improved experience and fixes typos because that drives me bananas when you type you've just transposed two letters and you're like a computer can't figure that out a computer can't figure out that i accidentally just switched two letters in an actual word uh, I just get unreasonably angry. So I'm very excited about that. But all of those features are great. And I'm I'm with Rosemary. Everything. Everything is very exciting, which is a great place to be. Thank you all for your thoughts on that topic. Let us go to our final regularly scheduled topic, which comes from Rosemary. Well, apparently the EU is using the new scheduled mail uh, feature inside of iOS. Uh, I guess they got early access to that. Uh, but they are finally <laughs> actually genuinely uh, bringing in a law now, which is going to require Apple to ship their devices with USB-C ports. Caveat, unless it is too small. So they've got specific explainers in there, which is something like a watch is considered too small, uh, but the phone is big enough. And I'm guessing the AirPods will fall into the big enough category. Now, Apple are not going to be the only uh, player in the game affected by this. All of those, you know, random devices that you buy and, and see online that still come with micro USB ports or Philips, seriously, stop shipping Sonicare with mini USB ports on them, um, will be affected by this. Um, Philips have just released a new Sonicare with USB-C, which is quite exciting. What do you think of this? Should tech be legislated in this way? Is this going to be good for the world at large? Are people going to get around this by shipping things with USB-A to C cables, which are just really cheap and horrible? And please stop using USB-A. What do you think of it, Micah? I am... All aboard the USB-C train, choo-choo. And I think that it's, you know, the, the the technology itself can be confusing and perplexing because they're all different types of standards. And is it just for charging? Does it have data, blah, blah, blah. But in terms of having one cable I can use across a bunch of different devices, that is very, 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 very nice. Um, and I'm all about that life. But at the same time, I don't know about tech legislation of like industrial design that feels a little odd to me. I've heard some folks say that they see Apple just going completely portless on future designs rather than being legislated into having to put a port on a thing. So if it means an iPhone without a port, that kind of makes me nervous. Uh, Matthew, what about you? Yeah, I think, I mean, they do say that there's some provisions for wireless charging, but it's mostly about just making sure that consumers know what they're getting. So I think that's kind of part of this is just like you buy something and don't realize it isn't the right charger or obviously like the waste as well. So 
I don't know. It's like, it seems like we were already headed in this direction. And now like by it being put into law that can like create more externalities than might have already just happened naturally. I'm not totally sure, honestly, like I think commenting on another country's politics is also always interesting or not even, I mean, all of like the European parliament. So I don't really, (laughs) I don't know. We don't really have a great system here either. I think the, the idea of this is good because reducing waste and having standardized connectors is a positive experience for most consumers. That said, is it a thing that needs to be legislated? Mm, Probably not. Um, I think that on the Apple side, there's a reason that we started hearing rumors a couple months ago that Apple was already looking at switching to USB-C before this law had even got passed. I think a big part of it is that Lightning is fine, but there is there are decreasing advantages to it from Apple's perspective even. And when it, they're shipping all these other devices like iPads and Macs that all use USB-C, I think even Apple can see that there's an advantage to consumers for being able to standardize on one connector. It's going to take some time to switch if they're going to switch like the AirPods and the Magic Trackpads and Magic Keyboards and the Siri remotes and all of that, right? There's a lot of stuff that's built up on Lightning. Um, But I think that the writing is on the wall for Lightning. And I think, honestly, it's going to be a less painful transfer than the move from Dock Connector to Lightning because I think there are far fewer peripherals that rely on Lightning these days, in large part because so much gets done wirelessly, right? Most people don't have speaker docks in the way they did for Dock Connector ports, right? A lot of people are using AirPlay or Bluetooth speakers. So more and more stuff has moved towards wireless anyways. Uh, I don't think that Apple's going to go portless immediately. I think that's a thing that could happen down the road, but I think it's a lot farther. So that's one reason maybe why they're considering the USB-C shift. But frankly, if the iPhone comes out next year with USB-C on it, this is all going to seem like a non-issue. So Rosemary, why don't you wrap us up here? Well, there was legislation in place previously, which suggested that devices shouldn't be shipped with chargers to try and reduce electronic waste. And that was why um, Apple still make and sell a micro USB to lightning adapter for a surprisingly affordable price. Um, At least they sell it for relatively reasonable as far as Apple accessories go. I think it's about $9. Um, And that was because you wanted, you know, to have things consolidated and standardized. But lightning came into existence because there was micro USB and USB-C didn't exist yet. And I do wonder if the fact that there will be legislation, which we all know doesn't move fast at the best of times, how many years has USB-C been around now? Requiring tech manufacturers to use this, will we not never see USB-D or E or Z or whatever is the next one? What, will we <laughs> lose the possibility of other more exciting things in the future? And the other thing that concerns me a little bit is the fact that there are USB-A to C cables out there, so many of them, And they won't charge a good chunk of devices. And a lot of devices have poorly implemented the USB-C specifications, which means that they don't actually do the power negotiation correctly. And guess what? That means you plug it into a charger and that charger talks to it and gets back the answer that it understands of, hey, so you want the full 120 watts of power I can provide? And boof, your new USB fan that you got for your desk just kind of explodes and sets your house on fire and you end up locked out of your uh, iCloud keychain so you can't get into your passwords and you know you can't find anything in your email anyway so you're you're completely Mm -hmm. stuffed so Mm -hmm. i think it's done with good intentions you know better for the environment the fact that you know my laptop charger can charge my colleague's phone when her phone's running out of battery and things like that that's that's great i love that um but i do 
uh, hope that they uh, stay on the ball and try to make sure that new future items are enshrined into this as they come up so that we can have options because we need to be able to progress as the future and technology progresses. All right, folks, it's time for the bonus topic. Name a cocktail, a beverage, a drink that you absolutely despise. Matthew, we'll start with you. I thought of coffee-flavored beer. I've had it a couple times where it's like, oh, this is a coffee roast or not good. I don't I don't want it. I love coffee. I like beer. Put them together. No, thank you. Weirdly enough, as someone who doesn't drink coffee, I love coffee-flavored beer. <laughs> uh, but I will throw into that hat very hoppy IPAs. I'm, I'm done with the obsession <laughs> of IPAs. It's too much. Let it go. Do you like hazies? They're uh, not as bad, but uh, mm, I, I would go with darker beers. That's me. Uh, for me, espresso martini. I don't really like coffee. I'm not really a martini fan. And the combination of the two of them together, no thank you. No, really. No thank you. Really, I don't want that. I'll take it that way. <laughs> Um, I'm right there with Dan on super hoppy IPAs. Uh, I haven't had them in a long, long time because gluten intolerance, but uh, I certainly remember drinking them and thinking, why the heck does anybody like these things? I just don't get it. Uh, And so I imagine that my tastes remain the same on that, despite my love of other bitter things. So uh, yeah, thank you all for your answers on that bonus topic. And uh, if you'd like to get ad-free episodes with an extra overtime topic, I'm so excited about this overtime topic. Uh, you can become a member of Clockwise. You just go to relay.fm slash clockwise and sign up. It just costs you five bucks a month or $50 a year, and you will be helping support this show, helping make this happen. And this week's overtime topic, we're doing something very interesting. We're going to talk about common misconceptions. There's a huge list on Wikipedia, and I had everybody go through and choose a common misconception that up until that point, they also held, and we're going to talk about what we have. So if you want to hear about that, well, then you need to become a member. All right. And with that, we have reached the end of this episode of Clockwise. All that is left is to thank our fantastic Friday guests who are joining us. Matthew Casanelli, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. And Rosemary Orchard, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. It's been great fun as always. And Micah will be back on Wednesday next week. Do not adjust your podcast dial. Uh, But until then, (laughs) we remind everybody listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. <laughs>